Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. This is Marianne Russo. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, the tweet chat is open if you would like to interact with others and discuss the interview. Uh, we use the hashtag TCK. And also, uh, Sarah will be taking calls um, towards the end of the interview. I'll announce that later. But if you want to jot down the number, it's 646-595-2881. About a year ago, I met this adorable mom on Facebook. And uh, we just started chatting it up, and um, I consider Sarah my friend. And um, I'm just thrilled that she's coming on tonight. Sarah Rivers is um, a writer, an instructor, a child advocate. Um, She writes for Psychology Today. She writes for the Western Massachusetts Special Needs um, Examiner. And, um, you know, she's just an amazing woman, an amazing mom who's really traveled um, the journey with a special needs child, and I'm just thrilled that she's here to join us today. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, Marianne. Hi, everyone listening. You know, I want to start off by saying that I myself, until I started doing this, had no idea what nonverbal learning disability was because by the name of it, you would assume that it's a child that's nonverbal. So can you start off by dispelling that myth and telling us a little bit about what a nonverbal learning disability is? That's a very common misconception because of the name nonverbal learning disability, it is far from the truth. My son, as most people with nonverbal learning disability, are very verbal. They have an extremely high vocabulary. They're very intelligent, so they can usually talk topics above their age level. does not mean that they understand the conversation that's actually going on. And that is because where the nonverbal in the name comes from, they do not understand nonverbal communication cues. So if a person is, for example, say Indigo is talking to somebody and he's going on and on about his video game because he loves video games, and the person he's speaking to starts nodding off and closing their eyes and getting sleepy and bored, he will keep talking. He does not recognize that person is bored, change the subject. As he's gotten older, it's gotten easier for him, but that's a, that's the main reason why nonverbal is in the, the I never name. knew that. So yeah. it, it does have similarities then as far as um, interpreting other people's reactions, and does, is it similar to autism um, where they don't um, recognize expressions? Correct. And and okay. I'm not sure about all, autist, all autistic disorders, but I do know that he also doesn't recognize faces. Okay. You know, like Elise likes to say, if you've met one child with autism, you've met one child with autism, and I think that's the case for almost all of these disorders. Um, So, you know, they are very different, but I know that that is, you know, a fairly common trait in autism. Um, Okay, see, so now it makes sense to me. Um, You know, so there really aren't any physical characteristics 
um, that go along there, with this? There is actually one, um, and I'm not sure if every person with NLD has this, but I know it's uh, definitely a, uh, a characteristic, um, is brain lesions on a specific area of the brain, and I'm not an expert, so I'm not entirely certain where it is, but I do do believe it's on the part that affects all of the different symptoms that NLD has. Okay, but there are no physical anomalies, like there's no physical characteristics like, um, I mean, you know, is, is it like a child with Down syndrome or other type of disorders? By looking at the child, you, would not, you wouldn't be able to um, know that there was anything, um, that there was a disorder just by looking at it. Oh, I understand what you're saying. No, it's completely invisible disability. Right. Those are the hardest ones, you know. Yes. And, um, you know, I know that you said that getting the diagnosis was very difficult. And I know that, you know, I did a little bit of reading about um, nonverbal learning disability. And um, it seems that it's missed so often. And, you know, it's one of these disabilities where a lot of, you know, kids used to go through, you know, into their adulthood before they realized that they had an issue. So, you know, with... Is it because it overlaps so much? And I'm not saying there's comorbidity, but there are a lot of presentations similar to ADD, you know, as we said, autism, anxiety disorder. Um, you know, what is the confusion in diagnosing these kids? Well, I think for, in my case, it is because of the overlap and um, sim- similarities to other disabilities. When, he, when Indigo was younger, um, educational professionals were determined that he had ADHD. They did not think that he had anything else. When he had a full evaluation um, at school, which they have to give in order to get an IEP, his evaluation showed that he had trouble with speech, trouble with, um, you know, like um, motor skills. He had trouble with visual spatial and forgetfulness. He couldn't retain a par- like a simple paragraph that someone read to him. He couldn't tell who the main characters were or what happened. And it could have been a, a boy and his dog walking down the street, and he couldn't remember where they were going. Wow. Despite all of this, they still said, your child has ADHD. He talks all the time. He doesn't pay attention, and he's hyper. I don't know what boy is not hyper. <laughs> so um, I think that so many children are diagnosed because Parents put faith in the, these educators, and I'm not faulting the parents. I'm just the sort of person that doesn't believe things. I see a huge list of symptoms and a diagnosis that has only two symptoms, and I say, give me another test. And that's what right. I did for five years. Oh, welcome to our world. That's, that's the world <laughs> of being a special needs parent. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's very difficult because now um nonverbal learning disability is that a standalone diagnosis or is there usually comorbidity with it with other disorders? I I think ADHD is I call ADHD a symptom of it. Mm-hmm. Um and I think some experts do believe it's on the autism spectrum. However, I'm not sure if it's entirely like um embraced by all autism experts. You know, me, you know, the the unprofessional Marianne, um, you know, I just look at all of these kids and, you know, I listen to so many people, um, experts coming on with so many different disorders, and to me this whole thing is a spectrum. I mean, it's just incredible how it's just so entwined. You know, it seems, you know, if if he's the, if this disorder 
um, in your child at least, creates problems with um, interpreting social cues and understanding what um, people's mannerisms mean, I would imagine that they have a lot of problems in social interacting and social deficits. So, Absolutely. You know, it, yeah, how do how do you overcome that when you're dealing with a child who doesn't understand it? I found when he was growing up, we lost a lot of friends, um, both, you know, my own friends, because as parents they didn't understand why my child didn't follow the rules and why I, as the parent, didn't make sure he followed the rules or played nice or whatever those phrases are. Um, and I really just made a point to only interact with children who understood Indigo, who got along with him, who were willing to help him through things that he didn't know how to do, and parents who were just as supportive. Right, because, you know, it's very hard, and, and you're also a single mom. Um, you know, and it's very hard. I, I mean, I don't know if you had a support system, but, you know, um, it, it's very difficult when, you, when you're trying to unravel this. And actually, that's my chat tomorrow is unraveling the, um, you know, the symptoms and the diagnoses. But, um, you know, I want to talk a bit specifically about Indigo. So how old is he now? He's 14. 14. We were just saying a real fun age. <laughs> yes. You know, it is very difficult to, to distinguish what is normal teenage angst and what is, you know, the disability. So, um, you know, as he's grown, when he was younger, what were, what mostly were his deficits, and how has it changed as he's gotten a little bit older? When he was younger, he had. Um, let me. I'm trying to like, compare them. Well, all of the first, I will just list all of the symptoms he's ever had. He's had appearance of inattention. He cannot connect past experiences to new ones. He has no concept of time, doesn't follow the rules. He has no organizational skills, poor growth and fine motor skills, visual spatial issues, social deficits, forgetfulness, and anxiety. And his anxiety was so severe, it, he, it almost killed him because of his reactions, like several occasions. Now, that he's older out of all of those I would say he mostly deals with issues in forgetfulness um inattention and organizational skills he well, you also know, has but, no but, concept of time and those I mean we just had um Dr. Russell Barkley on who is you know the foremost authority in the world and those are the exact main characteristics of ADHD so I could see um you know how there could be difficulty um, you know, in, in diagnosing it. Um, what are the differences? Because it's a learning disability. So what are the specific areas that that these children have tr trouble learning? Because, you know, you said about the motor skills and um, the retention. Now, you had said that if you read him something, he doesn't he doesn't retain it. If he reads it himself, does he retain it any better? No, he okay. doesn't. With with NLD, they're auditory learners. So, I'll give I'll give you a good example. If you give him, and this goes with reading as well, but say you give him three steps to do. I want you to walk into your room, get your backpack, and find your notebook inside of it. When he was younger, he would walk into his room and stand there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would, you know, I'd be running around doing whatever, and 20 minutes later I'd walk in his room, and he would either still be standing there or doing something else, and I would 
you're supposed to get your backpack. Oh, yeah. Then he would get his backpack and stand there and stare at me. He could not, and, and that's the difference between ADHD and NLD. With just ADHD, they don't pay attention from what I hear. I'm not distracted, an expert. yes. And distract. with NLD, he's not distracted. His brain doesn't retain those three steps. It's too much to organize in his brain. Now that he's older, he's 14, if I say go in your room, you know, that whole sequence, he can do it. But if I give him, you know, long, like, mom, how do I get to my friend's house? This is where they live. He has to repeat those steps to me several times before he he has to memorize them. Whereas with us, we can visualize what mm-hmm. we're doing. He can't right. visualize the sequence. And, you know, I... And, I I, I want to. I'm going to go back to the anxiety because you know that's very significant. But before we go back to that, um, you know, you wrote beautifully, actually, and and I really encourage everyone. One of the um, the column that you write for Psychology Today is um, a lonely education, and it is unbelievable. And uh, one of your writings is about um, being very specific um, in giving multi-step directions to these kids. So. You know, walk an, uh, let's walk through a parent, a newly diagnosed parent, through what you mean by that. Okay. Um, when I'm say to be specific, I'm, the only thing that's coming to mind is something that is not that has not happened to Indigo. It's another child, but it's the example I can think of. Um, there was a kid who was playing, and there was a or, there's an orange cone at the bus stop that you cannot. The kids cannot go past, and it's to make keep them safe from going into the road. And the parent said, you you have to stay behind the cone. You cannot move it forward. So the kid moved it forward as he moved forward. Oh, so, okay. Which makes right. sense. He stayed right. behind the, the orange cone at all times. The same thing with giving directions. If you say, you know, take the, the top off the jar, you have to make sure – how do you take the top off the jar? You have to make specific, your your directions are exactly what he needs to do. So this, this or, it sounds exhausting. It is, and you have to give every single step. It's like that um, that exercise they give in kindergarten when they say to the kids, "Everyone, write or maybe it's second grade, write how how do you make a peanut butter sandwich?" And some kids say, "You take the bread, the peanut butter, and the jelly, and you have a peanut butter sandwich." And then other kids have varying degrees of the steps. Well, with mm-hmm. Indigo, he has to know every single step and right. every single time until it's I, memorized. So, I mean, you can understand where the anxiety can come in also because it seems that he's often just at a loss um, yes. for, for you know, what he's supposed to be doing. So, um, you know, let's go back to that. You said that the anxiety almost killed him. And, you know, um, anxiety and fear are universal for who, I don't care who I talk to about what disorder, physical or emotional, anxiety is such a huge role in this. And I'm curious, um, because you know that's, you know, my thing is anxiety disorders. Um, How is anxiety presented? Because you you had written, um, somewhere I had read that there was actually like paranoia. Oh, yeah, yes. So that's severe. It is severe. Um, When he was two, about two and a half, uh, he, like a little tiny dog, ran up to him at day, at his daycare outside and just nipped at his, you know, heels. And any kid would be afraid of that. 
and the you know daycare provider was right there, scooped and to go up, no harm, nothing happened. From that point on, he had never seen a dog before, and and from that point on, every time he saw any animal, a bird, a chipmunk, um, it could be a large beetle crawling if it was big enough, a frog, anything. He said dog and screamed bloody murder and would just do anything to flee the animal. I mean, he could have been a bird flying, like flying past him in the sky. And he mm-hmm. didn't understand there's no danger here. So so the he, flight and uh, fight and flight is off on, on, on an indigo. Is this common with most NLD kids? Yes. Uh, well, I read um, in Sue Thompson's, one of Sue Thompson's articles, who she writes a lot about NLD, and some of what she writes I completely relate to and some things she writes I disagree with. But in this case, she gave uh, uh, many examples about how children will have a specific phobia. My son's with dogs and balloons, and they will harp on that phobia, and that's their main anxiety, and it's that severe. They will panic. And I wonder if that has to do with the nonverbal cues that, you know, they they misinterpret things in their world, or if it's, you know, a, a, fem- a physical type of a chemical dysregulation, cortisol, adrenaline, whatever the case may be, a, you know, pituitary axis type thing. Um, but, you know, I, I would imagine that it, what tools did you find that worked? I mean, did you use storyboards or, you know, like how would you get him through a day of school? Because we're going to go into education next. Um, but how would you get him through a day? Do, did you have any way of um, visualizing for him what the, what things he could expect? With his anxiety or in general? With it, general, in general. Yes, I... To this day, I still do it, and now that he's 14 and here's where the teenage angst come in, he always rolls his eyes and says, Mom, I know how to blah, 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 but I'm so, like, used to doing it, and I, I think he still appreciates it. I tell him every single thing that's happening every single day. Right. Um, in the morning, I still say it's time to get up, it's time to eat, it's time to get dressed. I go through the whole morning. If anything in his routine is going to change, and I know about it, I have to prepare him in days and, you know, Thursday afternoon you have a doctor's appointment, and I will say that on Monday. So on Thursday I'm picking you up this day, and then I go through the whole thing. We're driving to the doctor, blah, 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 and the whole, and then this is how the rest of your day goes. And I will tell him that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning. And he will usually call me Thursday from school to confirm what time I'm picking him up. So he needs a lot of reassurance. And transitioning, um, is transitioning tough for these kids too? Yes, I forgot to mention that. Transitions are awful. It's right. one of the worst things for them, yeah. And change well, of routine. Do they have sensory also. issues too? Are yes. sensory at home? So, I mean, it, I don't understand. It's got to be very difficult um, for a clinician to determine what a, a child has because, I mean, you know, the, the sensory issues and the ADHD, is, this is just such a complex disorder. Yeah, he, Indigo has minor clothing uh, issues that he likes his clothes a certain way, and as well as noises. That's an, see, I apologize. There's so many things that I don't think of all of them. He can hear the heater blowing air into the classroom just as loudly as the teacher talking, just as loudly as someone's pencil tapping. Wow. All of it. He cannot distinguish which 
to tune out, whereas we tune every, you know, everything out except what we need to hear. Right. So that's another thing. Right. And that's something that, that they say sometimes is, is ADHD, is that they're really not um, distracted. It's that they're hyper-focused, you know, so it's so hard to figure it all out. And, you know, this led you to quite the journey, getting him educated. So I'm just going to let you talk for a while, and why don't you just tell the audience, um, you know, what you, I mean, just you, you've been through so much to get him what he needed. So just tell them, you know, the steps that you had to go through and how it all started. Okay. Um, I noticed he was a little different when he was two and he had started having his anxiety. By the age of four, his daycare provider, who we had had since he was a baby, said, I can't, I can't have him anymore. It's not working. And she didn't know how to express it to me. She was like family, and I didn't understand either, but we're still friends. So I put him in a daycare, and from, that, from daycare until he was diagnosed at eight, he was labeled with ADHD. And educators kept pushing medication on me, which I refused, telling me I was a bad parent, asking me questions like, your son doesn't know how to tie his shoes, why not? Instead of saying, we're noticing your son is having issues, let's look into this, let's see how we can help him. They barked at me and blamed me. So I that just actually propelled me to fight harder, but through my entire fight, I had to pull teeth. Okay, so he's hyper, what test do we do for that? Okay, well, he hears all these noises, what test do we do for that? Okay, his hearing is fine. Now what? And I had to keep asking, now what? And throughout the whole thing, they kept telling me, your child has ADHD. What is your problem? By the time he was diagnosed, at eight and a half, a neuropsychologist diagnosed him. He had a string of tests with her and also neurological tests. And I thought, oh, this is great. I have a diagnosis. sale free Wrong. The schools kept telling me, you know, oh, but your son doesn't pay attention in class. That's a symptom. Your son is wandering the halls. He's lost. That's a symptom. And I had to keep telling them this is a symptom. My son is not a bad child. My son is not disobeying you. He's smiling at you when you're yelling at him because he's always happy. He's not being disrespectful. And it just continued. I had to make sure services were in place. You know, I read that, that that these children are usually so mild-mannered and um, really just just so sweet, Um, you know, and and that's why they're so misunderstood because, you know, they could be defying the rules with a smile on their face and thinking, you know, they they don't even realize they're doing anything wrong. Right. Um, And that's that's what I think. And, And my son, I'm not saying he's perfect, but he is the happiest child I know, and he wants to please people. And if he, now that he's older and if he doesn't understand what you're trying to say, he has learned to say, I don't understand what you want from me. He mm-hmm. didn't know how to say that. He would say things like, what's your problem? But he meant it literally, what is your problem with me? But it came out, what's your problem? And p- teachers would say, he's disrespectful. Um, so finally, when he went into sixth grade, he transitions into a new school, and that's when he really started failing. Up until that point, edu- a lot of educators did try to, to work with him, you know, besides those ones I still had a struggle with. But in sixth grade, he had a vice principal who was determined, oh, I see a, a kid wandering the halls and classes in session. I'm going to pick on him. 
Oh, he smiles when I talk to him. I'm definitely going to pick on him. Your child's a troublemaker. And no matter what I did to educate this school about my son's disorder, they just kept um, putting him down and making him feel worthless, and he was failing all his classes. And then he was bullied by um, two different kids. He got in two fist fights, and he had never been in a fight in his life. And the school labeled him um, dangerous because he beat up one of the children. Both of these children who bullied him started these fights, and the school was aware he had been being bullied for a month and did not inform me. You know, when I met you, you were going through this. When I first met you. Yes. Uh, that's how we met, actually. When you were just t- telling the story, I remembered that I remember seeing you write that, and I and I wrote you to try to give you some support. And um, you know, it's. I just want to say, in, the school in particular that you had was a horror. Yes, um, it was. But most schools and most educators are not like that. You know, I have. You know, I I speak with a lot of educators, and they really are trying. But I mean, you just happen to be in the wrong place. Um, so how how did you get the accommodations that you needed? Well, I really made it my mission um, to bring this school down because I, despite all the struggles we've had, you are correct. I don't want um, to sound like I'm bitter against all public schools, and my son has had some amazing special education professionals nice. who, if I didn't have them, I wouldn't be where I am um, right now. But there are... I. I also help parents, you know, in my area, and I deal with a lot of educators who are not the horror that I had, but do not recognize their children's disabilities, whether it's NLD or Asperger's or other disorders. And um, because of this horror uh, school that I had, I hired an advocate, and she, you know, the first meeting I had with her, she listed, I think, 25 violations of the special education law and said, these are all laws that they are breaking. This is against the law. And with her help, I called uh, a mediator of the Department of Education. Every state has a mediation office. It is free. You call them and you tell them what what you're going through, and they come out and set up a meeting to meet with the parent and the school educators, and their main focus is the child. So they don't care what the parent wants they don't care what the school wants they want they care about what the child needs Mm -hmm. and they find middle ground well we didn't find middle ground his school failed him he failed every single class the entire year he didn't learn a single thing and the school actually admitted that and he was able to get into private school for children with disabilities well, you know, that's the thing that, you know, I, I think we, we say it all the time to the parents, but they really have to understand it, that, you know, you are entitled by law to a, be provided with a free, appropriate um, education in the least restrictive environment. But they also have to accommodate the needs. So, I, you know, as I said, you know, we spoke way back when that, um, you know, if the school cannot provide what the child needs, then you do need to look for alternative placements, and sometimes they're private, and sometimes they're, um, you know, other schools that are run by the district. So how did you find the school, and how is he doing now? My advocate actually told me about the school, and we were interviewed by the school, and they they accepted him in, and now he's been there for two years. He's finishing up eighth grade, and he, he still has some 
social issues with some of the children at the school. The children, the school is for all kids with learning disabilities. So he he recognizes that they have different issues than he does, mm-hmm. but he still has you know some problems socially, which the school actually tries to work out with the students um, and and help each other understand each other's disability and how it affects them. Academically, he's getting A's. He may have one to these. He is wow, actually learning. Yeah, and he's learning eighth grade material. He's learning about the Constitution in Washington, D.C. and biology, and he's retaining the information because of how they teach the students. And it's it's a one, I mean, they, they individualize it somehow, but it's mainly just one method of teaching that I wish would be implemented in public schools because it would benefit every student. Absolutely. It's so frustrating. It really is. Yeah. You know, they need the differentiated um, learning. And, you know, the vast majority of the kids in the public school system could benefit with differentiated education, you know, within the classrooms. Um, so, you know, that's great. I mean, he's doing well now. You know, but I, I, I still, what's still haunting me is how would a parent know that their child has been um, misdiagnosed, and what would the difference be in accommodations in a child with a um, nonverbal learning disorder versus ADHD, let's say? Would it make a difference? Yes, absolutely. At least where I, a child with ADHD has a 504 plan. Is that the correct word for it? They could. And Mm -hmm. a child with NLD has an individual education plan. Now, Why with a five, um, because of the services they needed. From from what I um, know, child with a five hundred four is allowed to have a service like occupational therapy or something. It means they only get one service or maybe two. A child with an individual education plan is entitled to every single service and accommodation that child needs. Well, so you have more. Anybody rights. can have an IEP. You don't need to be classified to have an IEP. You don't need to. Any anyone can get an IEP, an individualized education plan. A 504 is more of a classification um, of a specific disorder or a, a, a subgroup, or you know, other health impaired or whatever you know it may be. Um, so he wound up just having an IEP, or did he go? Yeah. Did you have the 504? No, he had an IEP. Where I live, parents that have 504s have a much harder time in the school system. It may be my area that I live in. I, I don't understand that. I mean, the 50, everybody with a 504 has an IEP. But, you know, that, as we said in the beginning, it was, you know, I, I, I don't understand how this, this school was run that your son was going to. But, um, all right, so he got his services, and he's got what he needs. But um, in general, what are the differences in the dis- in the deficits between a child with a nonverbal learning disability than those with the other disorders that we spoke of? I'm just trying to um, help the audience understand if they have a child that may be diagnosed Asperger's or ADHD and they feel it doesn't fit, what are some of the things that would stand out? Um, symptoms-wise? Yeah. Well... I'm I'm not, I'm not sure if face, is face recognition in Asperger's. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Okay. But you know, it just it it just seems so confusing. And you know, one of the things I really liked um, is that when you write, you really write from your heart. 
Um, you know, you write about how you never could have expected how lonely not only his education would be, but, you know, what it was like for you. And, you know, you write about, you know, this myth that everyone thinks that these children that have these, you know, deficits, these disorders um, that affect social skills and um, turn-taking can't participate in sports. And, um, you know, you just didn't tolerate that, did you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I guess I've just always been a um, go-against-authority. I mean, when I was a child, I questioned everything. Why not? Why can't I? And I grew up in a very restrictive environment, so I don't want to restrict my son from everything. And I think that may be why um, he experiences, you know, so much of the world that he does. But I really, I really think that parents, um, like I said in my my last post about sports, parents should get their kids involved in extracurricular activities, um, no matter what level. Uh, physical or, or that their their children are capable. Um, granted, in the appropriate settings, I think it's so important for kids to have um, their peers and and that sense of worth, you know. And and he's able to because I know a lot of these a lot of kids that have these issues aren't really able to participate actively in the sport. Um, they have a hard time. Um, let's say it's basketball or whatever, um, overreacting and. Um, a lot of them wind up doing management. So that's great that you were able to, you know, make him overcome that. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I mean, a lot of it also had to do with um, teaming him up with the right organizations as well, That with, you know, coaches that understood how, you know, he needed a little extra help or um, right. teammates that also helped him. Right. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing when that happens. Um, so, you know, you, you've, you've traveled the road. I mean, you're, you're a single parent. Um, you know, it's a very serious, you know, disability. It's very, very difficult for him to function. So, um, you know, for a new mother, because, you know, when I do this, and even when I was, you know, setting up the website, my goal was to put myself 10 years back to the early diagnosis when I was so scared, so isolated, and so confused. So put yourself back 10 years ago or 8 years ago, and what advice would you give a parent? I recommend a parent pay attention to every single thing that appears different about their child, no matter what it is. If When I look at all of the things I was concerned about with Indigo, they all match NLD completely. Um, and talk, don't just make the list, bring that list to every single professional. And if the professional says, yeah, I, I've heard your list, no, I want you to look at all of these symptoms together. Um, demand every test you can think of. I'm very fortunate. My son's pediatrician was proud of me for not accepting the ADHD label, and he did his best. Um, we had to follow protocol, but we did neurological testing, hearing tests, vision tests, um, central auditory processing tests. Right. We did every test. And just keep asking for them. Well, if, And if your doctor says, oh, we can't do that test until we do this test, fine, give me that test. And right. just don't give up. Just keep pushing. We know when something is is different or Absolutely. if your child, you know. So, right. And, you know, it's a good place to start, like she said, because this is a neurological disorder. 
Um, so, you know, parents, you know, I think a lot of parents are under the misconception that, okay, my child has a problem, we're going to go to the pediatrician, you know, maybe we'll go see a developmentalist and we're going to get a diagnosis. It is not that easy. Uh, this is a process, and, you know, like Sarah is saying, this, you know, the more testing you can done and the more definitive it can be, you know, the better that you're going to be able to manage the disorder. So, you know, I really thank you. Let me Give us um, your website where people can find your um, your blog. Okay, my website is sarahrivers.com, but it is spelled S-E-R-A-R-I-V-E-R-S.com. And you can find A Lonely Education um, on Psychology Today if you just go to uh, a list of the blog experts. I'm under personal perspective. Okay, and it is so worthwhile to read. It, I mean, it really, you, you just write beautifully. And I'm really just proud of you because, like I said, I met you two years ago, and, you know, you were really, I, my heart just went out for you. And, you know, look what you've done. So you're an Thank inspiration. You. You're an inspiration, Sarah. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks. Before we go, I do want to mention that um, we did have to start a new Facebook page. You know, Facebook likes to drive us crazy every once in a while. Um, so we would really appreciate it if you would give us a like on our new page. You can go to the Coffee Clatch, um, just type it into Facebook, and we're now a fan page. We also launched our website, and I am very proud of it. Uh, we'll be adding resources um, more and more each week, and that's www.thecoffeeclatch.com. Sunday, Chris Basic. You know him. You love him. CEO of HeartSpring. He is, runs several um, special education chats on Twitter. He is an autism dad. And um, he is a special education advisor, and he is my guest Sunday night. So as I end the show each day, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? Become an informed, educated parent. Thank you for joining us tonight on The Coffee Clutch. Are we going to take callers? Hello? Hello? Hi, how are you? Good. Are you taking callers? Sure. Okay, um, I just really enjoyed the program, and um, I really like Sarah's attitude because that's that was kind of like my attitude um, from the, the get-go because I just saw things in my son that I felt that the school district uh, was not seeing, and I knew that he needed to get the appropriate help um, early on. And one of the things I want to ask her is that my son is now finishing his last couple of weeks of second grade and we have an IEP in the morning and he's going to transition into third grade come fall does she I've always been told that third grade is one of the toughest grade for autism spectrum children does she have any advice to give me about that or anything we should put on the table tomorrow um, about giving him the right support to be successful in third grade. And I just want to tell you that he is fully mainstreamed, and he has a para who um, comes in and shadows him in That's the afternoon. That's what I was going to ask you. Okay. And he is um, ASD and um, NLD? No. Actually, he's actually academically advanced. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a learning um, disorder. Right. Sarah, do you have any comments? Yeah, you know, and and that's also a problem where a lot of kids don't get services, and it drives me nuts because Mm -hmm. these kids are brilliant. 
so academically, they're usually advanced, but that doesn't mean that they don't have deficits that keep them from learning. So, um, Sarah, why don't you give her some pointers, and then I'll give her some of mine. Sure. When you go into the meeting tomorrow, look at what services that they've been providing him this year. Um, Make sure that they don't take any services away in the beginning of third grade. They may say, oh, he's really improved in X, Y, Z. He doesn't need that next year. It's a new year. You can say as a parent, I know he's improving, but he always falls behind in the beginning of the year. I feel in order to keep him advanced, let's keep that service in there until maybe, you know, we can meet again midway through the year. Okay. Remember that they cannot change anything without your permission. Okay. You can also ask if you feel he would benefit from another service that he's not currently being provided. You can ask for that to be added. Make sure if you know. Don't just say, "Oh, I think he needs OT." Say, "I think he needs OT because his handwriting, you know, is still really poor, and I haven't seen improvement." Like always, back up. Specific. Mm -hmm. Yes, be specific. Always back up what you suggest with a valid reason. And last, I'm going to recommend you don't need to sign anything the day of the meeting. And I know that they will push you, oh, we need this signed, we need this signed. I need to take, you know, a few days to look this over, make sure everything is copacetic, and then you can sign it. Okay. You know, the the person who is most successful at an IEP meeting is the parent that goes in confident Mm -hmm. and informed. And when they see that a parent is educated and that a parent is confident in what they're doing, it really sets the tone for the meeting. And it doesn't need to be adversarial. Um, you know, I don't know what your situation is with your district, but it does not need to be that way. Um, you know, I always tell parents, instead of going in and listing all the negatives, make sure that you highlight the positives in your child mm-hmm. so that they're aware of the greatness in your kid as well as the deficits. And, um, you know, there are, there are simple things where, um, you know, picking the right teacher is very important. Having uh, maybe a friend that, you know, he gets along with, somebody that gets him um, in the same class. I mean, it could be very simple things like that. But as she said, nothing needs to be signed, and things need to be very specific. And if it's not in the IEP, they don't have to accommodate it. So you have to make sure that all of the needs are taken care of. Okay. Okay, and good luck. You'll be fine. Okay, thank you. And you know what? If, if 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 you're not fine, you go back. You just don't sign it, and you have to renegotiate it. It's it's a contract. It's a legal document. Okay, great. Okay, good luck to you. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Okay, join us again sometime. Oh, I definitely. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Good night, everybody. Um, Tomorrow, um, this is Mental um, Health Awareness Month, and um, every Thursday I am doing a morning chat on uh, TweetChat with a hashtag TCK, um, discussing a different aspect of mental illnesses in children. And tomorrow I am going to be discussing unraveling the behaviors because as we just discussed, um, there's a lot of overlapping and a lot of confusion, and it's very um, important that you're able to identify what behave, what is causing a behavior. So that's my chat tomorrow morning, Sunday, Chris Basic. Have a great week, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.